for our sermon now, Florence Gregory, Thanksgiving. Today, Saturday, the Sabbath, is the third day of our American Thanksgiving holiday weekend. For some, Thursday was a great national day of Thanksgiving. For some, it was a great day of historical and religious significance. For some, it was just another day off work with pay. For some, it was a turkey day of football and movies. For some, it was an important day of commercialism, sales, the beginning of the long period up to the Xmas holidays beginning with yesterday Black Friday shopping. For some, Thanksgiving is a day of paganism for which I do not agree, do not understand why anyone could attribute paganism to this day of national, historical, religious significance, one of the great important holidays of our American nation. So I have two points today. First is the origin of our American Thanksgiving Day, and the second is the biblical references to Thanksgiving Day. Now, for the first part is the origin of our American Thanksgiving Day. As we know from history, for an unknown period of hundreds of years, our USA area of America was inhabited by several million Indians of different tribes. And very scant historical reference is that maybe sometime in uh, past hundreds of years, we were visited by Chinese explorers. But we have a lot more documentation and a lot more information about the early Vikings in the 9th and 10th century that uh, visited our American shores and even all the way down into Oklahoma. We have a lot of uh, references and uh, archaeological information about the Vikings that made it all the way down into Oklahoma in the 9th and 10th centuries. Then we know from the period of time of about the 1300s up to the 1800s, we were visited by a lot of explorers from the British, French, the Dutch, Portuguese, Spanish, and even Russians that visited our shores and explored our areas. But our main story today is our Thanksgiving holiday and how it began early in the 1600s in a little place called Scrooby, England from a separatist congregation, separatists from the Puritans or separatists from the Congregationalists. We're not quite sure uh, historically which branch of the uh, religions that the separatists were from, that, that particular congregation, although the indication is they were from the Puritan 
church affiliation. Now at that time there was a lot of opposition and persecution from the Catholics, from the Church of England, from other Protestants, even harsh imprisonment and even death visited on uh, some of the separatists and other Christian believers. So this little congregation in Scrooby, England decided to migrate to Holland. So after arriving in Amsterdam for a short time, then they uh, migrated on to Leiden, Holland, where they were there for about 12 years. And because of uh, hardships, but uh, less opposition to persecution, but uh, hardships that they were experiencing as a group of uh, separatists, they obtained a charter from England, from the Virginia Company, to migrate to New England, to America. And so in 1600, they left Plymouth, England to come to America under their charter. Now, they started out in two ships, the Speedwell and the Mayflower, but uh, the Speedwell began to leak a couple of times, so they turned back to Plymouth and uh, all 105 of the pilgrims. Now, with, within the pilgrims, there were some that were non-members of the congregation that had charters to other area, New England areas. And so they were strangers that were accompanying the congregation. Uh, the pastor at that time was William Brewster, but he stayed in, uh, England, in Holland. And uh, John Robinson, uh, William Robinson, uh, uh, accompanied the congregation and became their pastor here and was here for 30-some years as the pastor of their congregation. But uh, finally, they all loaded onto the Mayflower. And if any of you have been to Plymouth and have seen a replica of the Mayflower, you see this little 90-foot ship with three decks. And you can wonder, how in the world can 105 people, plus the crew, plus some animals, plus the foods, plus the luggage and the baggage, get on this little Mayflower ship? But uh, they made it. And so they left uh, England September 6th on a Wednesday. And they arrived, and now, I'm going to, uh, I may read a few passages from, uh, of Plymouth Plantation, 1620 to 1647 by, by William Bradford. This is a good historical reference. There are a number of books about the early days of uh, the Mayflower uh, voyage to uh, Plymouth and, and all the things that uh, accompanied them. But I'm just going to mention here that... Uh, uh, Mr. Bradford mentions a lot of uh, providential occurrences, things that God worked out in the voyage, the landing, the uh, undertaking of that uh, little colony that they believed they were a vine out of Egypt, uh, the, a planting of Israel into this new uh, area, uh, according to the scripture from Samuel, that they were to be planted as a colony in this new land. And so they believed that they were here to advance the gospel of the kingdom of God and the truth of the Christian religion into this wilderness area. Now, they had a charter for Virginia, but uh, because of a storm, they were blown about 500 miles to the north and landed on uh, the November the 11th, on a Sabbath, on a Saturday, at Cape Cod. And this is, you know, as a peninsula that reaches out or off of uh, uh, Massachusetts. And right inside that harbor is a settlement called Plymouth today. So it's coincidental. They left Plymouth, England, and they arrived uh, 
in, uh, and they landed there at Plymouth a couple of months later in December actually after uh, landing on the peninsula of uh, Cape Cod in November the 11th in 1620. And so they had, um, after they landed in December and made it on shore, uh, set up their colony, there were a couple of things that were very providential. And I've gone over some of this in the past, so I won't spend a lot of time. I'll just encourage you to, if you'd like to read some of the history, read, read this book. And there are a number of other books that will give you a lot of the information how they landed on uh, Plymouth there that was an abandoned Indian village. And uh, because of a previous, uh, I think it was smallpox episode that had uh, afflicted the Indians, but earlier than that, a couple of the Indians from there had been taken, uh, captured and taken to England, Portugal, Spain, and England, and then were released and brought back to America, Squanto and Samoset. And so during the harshness of that uh, first winter, as they uh, experienced the first few months, Squanto and uh, Samoset came speaking English and helped them, showed them how to plant and how to fish so they could get cod and so they could plant their corn. And so then in the spring and the summer, they had a very bountiful summer, very uh, prosperous. Now, that first winter, about half of the residents there died. Now, I want to mention here one thing, the, one of our documents over here, Mayflower Compact, and go back. When they first landed there, uh, November 11th, uh, on Sabbath, on Saturday, offshore, because there were some of the strangers that were among them that were not a part of the congregation, and they believed that when they landed, they could do whatever they wanted. They didn't have to submit to the authority of this congregation. They could just do whatever they wish. And so, uh, a number of the members, uh, about 41 of the men that signed it, and the women of the congregation uh, that didn't sign, but were probably in agreement, uh, drew up the Mayflower Compact, which was an agreement that uh, they would uh, ad, uh, be subservient and obey the rules and regulations. And it was one of the first beginning documents outside of the Ten Commandments, Mayflower Compact, and later, I'm not going to go into this, our uh, Articles of Federation later, and then the Declaration of Independence, and then our Constitution. And uh, the progress, so this is one of the first great documents of our American uh, enterprise in our American government. It didn't come through uh, the uh, political or commercial enterprise in Jamestown that had been established a few years earlier, uh, not from commercial interests, gold seekers, but from that little congregation of church that believed they were led by God to plant the colony of this vine out of Egypt, a part of Israel, in this nation and to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God. And so you can read uh, a lot of, it's a very interesting story, and uh, Mr. Bradford has a lot of providential occurrences that occurred uh, in the history of the development of that uh, uh, colony there in, uh, in Plymouth. Now, after they experienced a bountiful harvest in the summer and the fall, and uh, they decided to have uh, a three-day festival of thanksgiving to God for his providing them such a bountiful blessing. And there's no date. We don't know exactly when in November uh, that uh, first thanksgiving occurred in 1621. But the first letter, or not first letter, but one of the letter references by Edward Winslow, who wrote back to some uh, friends in England on December 11th, 
he wrote and explained about that uh, three-day festival that uh, they set aside for thanksgiving to God for his providential blessings. And so that occurred sometime in November. Now, since then and over the years, and I, and I won't uh, read this, but uh, I've copied in past years the uh, Course of Mayflower Compact and then the uh, presidential proclamation from uh, George Washington, uh, who uh, said, whereas, let me read a couple of things here from this, where it is, is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God to His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and humbly to implore His protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many and signal favors of the Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peacefully to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. And so he sets aside Thursday, November 26th in that year of uh, 1789. And then uh, Abraham Lincoln in the 1960s, uh, his proclamation, the uh, year that is drawing, it's hard because it's written in uh, very small print, to its close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthful skies to these bounties which are constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. Others have been added which are so extraordinary a nature that they cannot fail to penetrate and soften even the heart which is habitually insensible to the ever watchful providence of Almighty God. No human counsel has devised nor has any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who while dealing with us in anger for our sins, has nevertheless remembered mercy. And then there's a number of other paragraphs. But I do hereby invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States, and also those who are at sea, and those who are sojourning in foreign lands, to set apart and observe uh, this, it says here the last Thursday of November next, which it could have been in that year, the last Thursday, the, the fourth, today is the fourth, this week, this year was the fourth Thursday, but sometimes it's the last Thursday of November, as a day of thanksgiving and prayer to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. And so there's more to those uh, proclamations. But we have a very rich history of thanksgiving from the spiritual significance and the historical significance. And yet we find today that uh, there is less and less of the emphasis on this true recognition of our Thanksgiving holiday for what it means to us as a people, the great people, an exceptional people of the United States and of the other interests that have been overriding and uh, superseding the importance of that. Well, now I'm going to leave that and uh, I didn't, I have a, a lot of marked uh, references in this book, but I'm not going to read them, uh, take time to read those. I'm just going to go on to uh, our second point, 
which is, uh, if I can get my notes here on, on this, uh, the um, biblical references to thanksgiving. Now, there are 28 times in the Bible that the word thanksgiving occurs. And two times, thanksgivings in the plural. Then there's 73 times that the word thanks or giving of thanks, the word thanks singularly occurs. And then there's some singular uh, times in other forms of that word that occur, thankfulness uh, or uh, other forms a few times. So we heard some in the first message about being thankful for the gifts that God has given us and thankful for his word, thankful for Moses, thankful for Israel, thankful for, for all those many uh, varied wonderful lessons in um, the book of Exodus. But uh, we're going to look today at uh, some, not all, just a few of those uh, references where the uh, word thanksgiving out of those 28 uh, impresses. And there are so many rich, wonderful passages. The first one I'm going to refer is in the New Testament, and that is in Revelation, the seventh chapter, and uh, verse 12. And this is in the midst of the uh, explanation of showing the sealing of the 144,000 from the tribes of Israel. That's in the future with the Spirit of God and the Father's name that we see later was His name. And an innumerable multitude of all nations all over the earth. A great innumerable multitude that are saved to escape the uh, opposition of the devil that he brings on this world world and even God's judgment and punishment and wrath that he brings on this earth of sinning mankind. So whether they escape it through a uh, resurrected through death, eternal spiritual life, or whether they uh, are able to survive uh, physically through that holocaust that it is to come. Either way, it's a great blessing. So they're going to occur in that resurrection, that first resurrection, and stand before God on his throne. And so uh, in just a few verses leading up to verse 12, it shows that a greater multitude which no man could number of all nations, kindreds, people, tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Verse 10, And cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sits upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And verse 11, All the angels stood around about the throne and about the elders, 24 elders, and the four creatures, the four living creatures, the beasts, the four living creatures at the throne of God, and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God, saying, Amen, or so be it. And then seven great exceptional uh, blessings here, expressions of blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen, and so be it. And so, a time coming when all the creatures around God's throne and those that are saved in that first resurrection are going to give praise and thanksgiving to God who has made it possible to enjoy all of these bountiful blessings that He has in store for us in the future and have brought us through this physical life. And so, this is a great uh, thing of uh, accompanying of these different... Uh, expressions here accompanying thanksgiving of giving him the honor and the glory that is attributed to his name. Now let's back up to Colossians, to the book of 
Colossians. And uh, I want to go to Colossians, the second chapter. Verse 6 and 7. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. And notice, so many of the things that we have in Christ, and our stability, and our faith, and our grounding, and the things that we experience in Him are to be accompanied with thanksgiving. And uh, we are not only to have that, but to abound. That means just to go overboard, to be exuberant in thanksgiving. Colossians, the fourth chapter, progress on to uh, verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Now, notice... We watch in two ways. Watch in prayer and watch in thanksgiving. Prayer and thanksgiving going side by side in companionship. Continuing in prayer. That's constantly. That, that doesn't mean that we can't do anything else or that we shouldn't be involved in our mind or our physical or activities or other interests that we have. But it means that continually throughout we're in an attitude of prayer. Whatever... The circumstance, a trial, a test, a difficulty, a blessing, whatever good or bad or whatever, morning, night, and, uh, noon, evening, whatever, driving down the highway, working, walking, sitting, reading, watching television, we're in a prayerful attitude and we can break forth as we'll see later in prayers and supplications, great longer prayers but also great brief short bursts of intense activity. And in um, Philippians... Just back up uh, here a little bit uh, more. Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse 6. Be careful for nothing. That, that doesn't mean not be careful. That means don't be anxious, as we heard last week. We know what that means. Be careful for nothing. Don't, but, but don't be filled with anxiety. There's so much stress. You know what? If this verse right here put a lot of psychiatrists out of work, wouldn't it? If they could just learn to mellow out and be calm and relax take a deep breath don't be stressed just relax be don't be anxious but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known unto God now notice there's a lot of things going on in this verse here but, you know, I, I think we all agree that a lot of people have the gimmies. Give me this, give me that, give me this, you know, to God and to parents. And uh, little children ought to really be taught the word thank you. And you'll see me around here over the years. A lot of times kids are coming through. They want to cut them through or go through the line or go ahead of me. I say, What's the word? What's the password? Mm. Please? Yes, that's it. Also, as you're leaving, what's the second password? Thank you. Do you know how many 
children do not know the word thank you and it, it is such a blessing to see little children that can say thank you. Parents, that's one of the great words we ought to be teaching our children is thank you. And if you're doing that, I commend you. That's, that's a wonderful and that's good. But thank you. I appreciate it. But when we ask for something, we do it with thanksgiving. Now, let me just talk a little bit about children. I, I used to be one. <laughs> and I know I like little children, although I might be kind of that grouchy old grandpa maybe. But, um, you know, children, they ask a lot of things, don't they? And as parents, we ought to really begin to watch and accompany, let them accompany, let them be thankful in the attitude of receiving that. How many times they get it and they go and they run off and they just get this and get this and get this? But how many times do they say, thank you? from an attitude, from a really sincere attitude. That's the way God is. You know, uh, I just mentioned this. Someone recently sent an email around and said I said a bunch of things and I don't even remember. I wouldn't even do it. I didn't do it. But I got to thinking, I was mentioning this to Fran earlier. You know, I know how God must feel when he says, people say, God says this and God says that. And he didn't say that. He doesn't do this. He didn't do that. But they say, God did this and God did that. Or he said this. He told me this. And misrepresent. So we need to accompany our requests. And God wants us to ask him for a lot of things. Everything. He wants us to ask him. But to accompany it with thanksgiving. With thanksgivings, let our requests be made known unto God. As it said. Now, let's go back to some Old Testament scriptures here uh, in Psalm. We were there earlier in the first message, but uh, fortunately there's 28 references, and, and since he didn't cover them all, he left a few for me here in the book of Psalms. We'll go back to Psalms. Uh, and if you haven't heard that message, you can tune in to Ron Wilhoyt on computer, uh, internet, those will be in files there for several years and can hear what he had to say. Uh, Psalm 50 verse, let me get there, verse 14, you're probably there already. And um, verse 14, offer unto God with thanksgivings, thanksgiving singular, and pay thy vows unto the Most High. Notice the second part of that verse. I think this is very important. It's easy and sure, it's recommended. Offer thanksgiving to God. That's thankful prayers over meals and the good things that come. And we learn that a lot in life as we go through. But notice what it says here. And pay your vows under the Most High. We promise God we're going to do something. We need to do it. We need to keep our commitments to God. How many people say and don't do? How many people say physically and don't do? Oh yeah, I'll do this. I'll go there. You know, our word, but how many take it important is their word is their bond, so to speak. Yeah, they'll do or die. They'll live up to it. If I say I'm going to do it, I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. 
I mean, people will do that. That's good. That's commendable. That's the way God wants. Pay our vows. What are our vows? What have we made vows to God? He expects us to pay it, and he expects us to offer unto him thanksgiving. Let's go on to Psalm 100 and uh, verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. So there's uh, several things here uh, as we go before God in his... uh, uh, whatever the gates or whatever the courts, whatever his place of uh, worship or dedication or whatever we do to worship before God, be thankful unto him and bless his name. Now, we have a lot of references about being blessed. You know, God bless us, bless me. We ask those things. We want to be blessed. We want to be a blessed people. We recognize we're blessed people. But how do we bless God? Do we bless God? Bless you, God. Bless you, Lord. Well, when we bless Him, blessing is making happy or visiting good. on. So we, we make God happy when we're good. When we return the favor, when we're thankful, when we look to Him then that blesses God. And so it's reciprocal. It's two-way. It's not just all inward toward us of receiving blessings, but we return that and we give a blessing uh, to God for the uh, goodness that he's done for us. Now, Isaiah, the 51st chapter. Verse 1 through 3, a little... Historical perspective here to go back and look to our roots. Hearken to me. Pay attention. Listen. Look. Learn. Be attentive. Ye that follow after righteous. Ye that follow after righteousness. Ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock whence you are hewn. And to the hole of the pit where you are digged. Look at where we came from. Look at our history. Look unto Abraham, your father, and unto Sarah that bear you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. And unfortunately, you know, God called Abraham, but leave his father and mother, but he didn't. And come along, but he didn't. He took Lot with him and got into trouble, and he had to go rescue him. And so Abraham was a flawed hero, a lot of good, a, a tremendous example. But there are some things that he wasn't perfect in yet. There's only one man who's ever lived. You've heard me say this. Only one man. Of all the biblical references and characters we have, every one of them is flawed except Jesus Christ. And so we can still look to the good of the history of the antiquity of Abraham and Sarah. For the Lord, verse 3, shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. And he will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Now, we know in the history of uh, Israel and all the things that it experienced from the enemy nations that were surrounding it, 
And even down to Jerusalem and the temple and Judah and the nation. And how God said even the Jerusalem would be plowed like a field. And then later would be uh, reestablished and would develop. But in the future, look at, well, look at what's happening now in current events of the opposition and of the disastrous uh, condition of Israel and Judah. And we'll, we'll call Judah Israel and Judah and Jerusalem and what's about to happen there. And the great holocaust that is going to come on those peoples and on those nations and on those areas. We can see it building. We can see it growing. We can see it almost beginning to happen in a few years ahead. The great devastation and holocaust. And then Christ is coming. He's going to restore. He's going to lift up a great earthquake and split up that holy land and move that temple area north and elevate it and lift it up in a great temple complex. And then south, a great city of Jerusalem, uh, several, uh, 10, 12 miles south, a great city of Jerusalem developed and the tribes of Israel restored in, the, in that land in peace. Jesus Christ, can you, can, can you realize what, when Jesus Christ comes and stands there in Jerusalem, and all of the enemies that don't believe it and, and the terrorists and the aggravation and the armies and the nations, they're not going to like it. And yet he's coming to restore and to bring a restoration to their, that area from the wilderness like Eden and restore like the garden of the Lord. And there will be joy and gladness shall be found therein with thanksgiving and the voice of melody. The voice of singing, little children singing and, and playing in the streets and, you know, without danger. Won't that be a wonderful time when the Jews, when Israel, when America and Israel, when the Israelitish nations won't have to worry about terrorists and people who hate us and envious and want to destroy us and kill us and do evil to our, our children and our uh, homes and, and all the things that is going on in the persecutions that are coming in the world today? What a wonderful time of restoration and joy that's ahead in a restored areas. So you can see why thanksgiving will be a lot easier then to give thanks for those wonderful blessings. Now, in continue on a little bit here in Isaiah, the fourth verse through eight. Hearken unto me, my people, and give ear unto me, O my nation. For a law shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgments judgment to rest for a light of the people. My righteousness is near, my salvation is gone forth, and my arms shall judge the people. The isles shall wait upon me, and my arm, and on my arm shall they trust. Lift up your eyes to the heaven, and look upon the earth beneath, for the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a garment. And they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever and my righteousness shall not be abolished hearken unto me you that know righteousness the people in whose heart is the law fear you not the reproach of men neither be you afraid of their revilings for the mouth for the moth shall eat them up like a garment and the worm shall eat them like wool but my righteousness shall be forever and my salvation from generation to generation. What a wonderful time that's coming ahead of us when God is going to remove all evil and all evil men and all terrorists and all who hate and who are false uh, uh, opposition to God, who want to destroy. And there's going to be 
peace and prosperity and blessings spreading over this whole earth ultimately and eventually until the whole earth is full of the Spirit of God and His Word ultimately. What a wonderful time that is ahead, a time when truly goodness and graciousness will be and when the evil will be removed and taken away from this land. 2 Corinthians, back in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter. Verse 8 through 15. God is also or is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As it is written, He is dispersed abroad, He is given to the poor, His righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruits of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. While by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal distribution unto them and to all men, and by their prayer for you which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you, Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. His gift of grace, His gift of goodness, His gift of salvation, His gift of freely giving His mercy and kindness to us and blessing in all the bountiful things that He give us causes through us thanksgiving to God so the natural thing is as we go about the day and as we go about the week and as we go about the month, in between our paycheck, whatever good happens, whatever, even things that are trials and tests as we're in those, we can thank God that He's with us. Thank God for that because we know He's strengthening us. You know, it's like, uh, you know, we know the weightlifter. They use uh, weights to strengthen their muscles and to give resistance. And so God has given us trials and tests and difficulties to strengthen us, to build up resistance, to develop our character so that He knows and can trust us and we can know and trust ourselves to know that we'll do right and good. And in all these things and the administration of all the wonderful things that He gives us to be thankful and to thank God. That's, that's one of the great things that we can do to be thankful before God as children as adults, and uh, let's go back now to um, Psalm 147. <coughs> Verse 7. Sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises upon the harp unto our God. 
Now, we don't have harps here. We have a few guitar players. And I wouldn't be opposed if somebody could play the harp if it was, you know, fit in with the drums and uh, with the violins and the, and the uh, horns and the piano. And uh, most of us can't play a harp. Some of you maybe can play a harp. Can you play a harp, Art? No? Okay. Um, but uh, we know it's a beautiful uh, music from that harp. But we can still, even though we can't maybe play a harp, we can give thanksgiving in the songs like we sing here. And uh, that's a wonderful, music is so wonderful when we come before God or as we go about the day singing praises, singing some of those psalms and hymns before God throughout the week um, with uh, praise on our lips before God, singing to Him. Ephesians, back in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 5. Nineteen twenty. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Just going around hmm, humming and singing and whistling and just as you go about the day, instead of grouching and crabby and cussing and you know swearing and complaining and griping. Switch it. Go about singing, praising, thanks God. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, God. I know I don't have enough money, but thank you for what I have. I know it's rough. I know it's... You know, when I... When you read Fox's Book of Martyrs, or you read about the little church there in Scrooby and how persecution and opposition from the Catholics, from the Church of England, from other Protestants, from the government that was imprisoning and putting to death people that believed in Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God and the Bible and wanted to read the Bible in English and all the things that man have suffered. Well, we've got it pretty easy, it seems like. Now I look at what's happening along the East Coast with this Hurricane uh, Sandy that's disrupted the whole New England coast and the things that those people are suffering, lost their homes, fire or floods and damage, and everything's gone, everything's gone. And then to hear those people sometimes on television, we're, you know, we're, it's just, just physical things, we're, we're going to rebuild, we, we, we're thankful or whatever, we think that we have life. Whoa. That's a remarkable character of a person that can do that. To give thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And uphold that name. Two more references here. Uh, let's go back to Psalm 107. And... There's a number of uh, phrases that repeat uh, periodically throughout this um, psalm here. Let me read those first. Verse 1, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. And verse 8, O that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works 
to the children of men. Verse 15, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 21, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. And verse 31, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Now, this is a psalm that was sung uh, with accompaniment, and these are choruses and refrains that are repeated. Uh, that's possible. Or it's just to uh, keep uh, repeating and emphasizing that God wants man to praise Him and thank Him for all the wonderful things that He does. But I want to come to the accompanying verse 22 of verse 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men, and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. Now, as you go back, and we're not going to do this today, but as you go back and you study the round of sacrifices, you'll see that one of the key elements in the sacrifices that accompanied them was thanksgiving, thanks to God. So the sacrifices were a form of appreciation and thanksgiving to God in whatever form those five different offerings were expressed, but they were accompanied with thanksgiving. So consider this. When we offer thanksgiving to God, we're offering a sacrifice, or when we sacrifice something, we do it with thanksgiving, when we give up. What is it we've given up? We've given up a lot of things, haven't we? Given up that old pagan Xmas day. You know, uh, let me say this so I can clear some things. Uh, you know uh, how I love and the emphasis on the Sabbath and the holy days and that, but we know that most and many of our references, uh, even in fact, uh, we were just talking here today, were Sunday observing congregation. They observed Sunday. They didn't keep Christmas. There were a lot of other things they didn't do, but they were persecuted for that uh, in their separatist beliefs. But uh, a lot of our references, Bible references, are written by first-day Sunday preachers. And I know there are a lot of men of great noble character and wonderful men. Just like uh, this last week, I was watching... Uh, on the news, and they were interviewing uh, Franklin Graham, the son of Billy Graham. And this is, a, this is a good man. I mean, he does a lot of good, wonderful things. And they've sent millions of things that they've given to children in other lands all over this uh, planet. But the sad part about it is all Christmas. Christmas gifts. The emphasis is on Christmas. And so you can see the goodness of the person, and yet they've got some things wrong in their belief and in their practice. And so, you know, we can see there's a lot of good things that the Baptists do, the Methodists do, the uh, Protestants, the Presbyterian, the Congregation, the Church of Christ. We can respect and, and recognize a lot of the good that they do. While they have a lot of error and while they have a lot of wrong and while they need to repent and correct and change some of those things. And yet, we see here the sacrificial element that enters into, let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. And so, whatever's good that we can take from whatever is 
in the world that is good that we can use and, and appreciate like we use Bible references. So Strong's Concordance, Cruz Concordance, we use Bibles that are printed by man that are the Word of God, and yet we could take a lot of good and be thankful for that and appreciate. Just like the history of our, uh, of our if I didn't go into this, of our flag and of our great seal and of uh, so many things that are uh, special that shows God's guiding direction and providence of our nation and so many wonderful protecting occurrences down through the history of our nation. Uh, we, can, we could spend a whole sermon just talking about divine providential occurrences in the weather and in the, uh, the relationship of our nation and globally with other nations where God has shown special blessings to our people. So the good from there, we can take from that. At the meantime, at the same time, we can see the things that we give up, those things that are wrong, yes, it's a sacrifice. Sometimes we give it up, but we give those up with thanksgiving. Aren't you really thankful to be out of the... I, I, I went Friday uh, to Sears to get a spark plug for my lawnmower. I usually stay home like Friday and Thursday, Thanksgiving, and now I know the things going on at Walmart and all this about working at Thursday afternoon. And, and, and I have never seen so many people at Sears. The parking lot was full. The store was full. People were just spending money like everything. And I just wanted to get the little spark plug for my lawnmower so I could kind of get it finished up for the year and then maybe not have to work on it next spring. <laughs> and get a head start on it Sunday. And I forgot that it was Black Friday. I can see why they call it Black Friday, frankly. I mean, but give up all that, haven't we? How many of you went out camping? I see this commercial on television about the lady. She's camping there, you know, by the drugstore. No, I don't know, some store. And she's camping there, and it's snowy and everything. And she's got her bag, and the guy comes out, and he says, ma'am, you want to come in? She says, you know, something about she'd lose her place and he said don't you know we've been open all night and and she says uh, are you just are you tricking me trying to get my place you know and there's nobody there the store was open she was camping out they were started camping out last uh, several days ago aren't you glad to be free of that and out of that i'm not going to ask you to show hands how many went out for shopping <laughs> on black friday how many of you just spending that money that you don't have. <laughs> okay, that's, that's, that's enough. Let me see here. We want to, let me, let me go on. Um, last verse here. Let's go back to Leviticus, the 22nd chapter, because I mentioned that, and I, I just, it's a good reference here to, uh, just to know. Leviticus, the 22nd chapter. And verse 29 And when you will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving, peace offering or one of the other sacrifices, unto the Lord, offer it at your own will. Offer it thanksgiving. You know, if it's forced, that's why our little children, if we, if we force them, you know, or bribe them, in a wrong way, if it comes naturally, if they say thank you, they're going to be blessed. Now, let me just ask you this here. As a parent, thinking about 
children and adults and, and not being judgmental of anybody else, but let's say ourselves. How many of us that have children that are really thankful and really appreciative and uh, when we do things for them, they really thank and, and you know it's in the heart and you like to and you enjoy doing good. But you got a laggard and no good child that's a bum. I mean, if you do. If you got a child that's a bum and a laggard and no good and just always gimmies, gimme this, gimme that, but never thanks, never comes around, only when they want something. I need something. I need some money. I need this. I need that. I need, you know, are you as willing and as eager to help that child? Oh, yeah, you'll do it because they're a child. But doesn't it, isn't it easier to give to somebody that's thankful and appreciative and, and even, even if they're not a child? Maybe that was a bad illustration. Maybe it's just, say, a stranger, your neighbor, your neighbor. Isn't it easier? Well, think just a minute. What about God? Is it easier for Him to be willing to bless us if He knows we're going to be thankful and we're going to use it right and we're going to appreciate it and, you know, we're going to uh, uh, be really expressive? And this Thanksgiving is voluntary. It's of our will. It's not forced. It's not coerced. Just like, you know, I said earlier about the little children, you know, saying, wanting to come through. What's the password? Please. May I? Okay. Then what's the follow-up? What's, what's the next? Let me hear it. What's the next? Thank you. Thank you. F appreciate. Thank you. Thanksgiving to God. So many wonderful things. We sacrifice. We give up. So... Let's truly appreciate our American National Day of Thanksgiving and for all that it teaches us and leads us into. May we be truly thankful for all we have, for His goodness, for His everlasting salvation, for His great blessings. We can truly be thankful to God who has made it possible that we can experience all of this.